Hey, what is up, everybody? My name is Taryn Nettles, and I'm here with Gillis Pellegrin, and we are the coaches of GT Nutrition Performance. So today we want to do something a little bit different with our podcast, and we actually have a special guest on here, and there's something super unique about our guest. Like, I absolutely love his story. Yep, great story. He has an Yep. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> <laughs> ahead, but he has an awesome story, and I just love everything about his story because it's all about, you know, resilience and just overcoming the odds. Um, so with further ado, I'd like to introduce you guys to our guest, Ishaq. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thank you for having me on the podcast. Super excited to um, chat about a lot of good stuff with you guys. Yes, absolutely. So, Aishak, why don't you just go ahead and just give us um, like your your background story because you do have a very awesome story. Yep. Okay, so let's start at let's start at fifteen. Okay, so at fifteen years old, um, I was pre diabetic. I was two hundred and fifty pounds. I was super unconfident and just in a super depressed state because of how I looked physically. And not only that, like my bot, my, my, my father had walked out um, on me and my family when I was a bit younger. So dealing with that growing up, you know, it was a lot of weird feelings that I didn't necessarily um, know how to deal with at the time. So um, I woke up one day, and I know this sounds super cliche. I woke up one day and um, I actually took a picture of sunburn I had. And um, I just, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I couldn't look at the picture. I was super just down on myself because of how I looked. And not only that, like over the years, I built up a lot of bad habits, especially when it comes to nutrition. And um, I just, that, that was the first step in, me kind of taking initiative and um, taking control of my life. So I eventually ended up joining football, which was kind of the first outlet for me in terms of like learning how to push myself physically. Um, And that eventually led to me into getting in the gym. My first gym was uh, Planet Fitness. And uh, I know a lot of people... (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people have so many like negative views about Planet Fitness, but honestly, they have like great equipment to get the job done. And at the time I was a beginner, that was like all I really needed to get that first step. And then eventually that led me into going to a bigger gym and taking my goals more seriously. But um, over the course of one year, so we'll flash flash uh, forward to when I was 16, mm-hmm. um, I ended up losing um, a majority of that weight, total of 100 pounds. Wow, good and, for you. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys. Um, yeah, so I lost 100 pounds and I wasn't necessarily um, happy with how I looked. And um, that initial weight loss, like I learned a lot about myself as an individual outside of losing that weight. Like I understood how to push myself I understood what work ethic was and sweat equity and just putting in the work. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, so that I fell in love with bodybuilding and I 
um, the, the one thing that really motivated me <laughs> um, when I had started out was um, Kai Green, the old training with Kai videos. Oh, and man. Uh, he was like a, such a huge inspiration to me um, because of his backstory and just how he represented the sport of bodybuilding. And um, yeah, so I fell in love with bodybuilding. Um, I started educating myself over the years. I feel like the first like, quote unquote, evidence based thing I came across was um, Lane Norton's uh, video on reverse dieting. Okay. Yeah, that one was huge for me. And so I stumbled across more of his videos. And um, this was like around 2012. So uh, Matt Ogus and Legends of Aesthetics was big at the time. Shout out to them. And um, they really allowed me to fall in love with natural bodybuilding. Team 3DMJ and all the content they had put out at the time um, allowed me to expand my knowledge in terms of like the principles of nutrition and training. Yeah. So... I just started bodybuilding over the years, started lifting, started getting smarter, getting better, went through a couple more dieting phases. And um, I eventually started to see like my physique come into its own. And um, uh, let's see, I w- eventually, um, I got my NASM okay. certification at 18. And um, I started working in my first commercial gym. And I did that for around, let's say, six, six to seven months. And then I, I transitioned into um, doing it online and coaching people for free uh, because I was in nursing school at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's that's a whole story in itself, because the main reason why I got into that was for my mom. Got it. Um, you know, I didn't, you know, fresh out of high school, like you don't necessarily know what you want to do, but everybody's trying to push you in a specific direction, right? Yeah, yeah. that's um, it. So there was this thing that I really loved on the side, but there was also, you know, I got to do this to make this amount of money to be able to provide for my family and my mom and help her out most of all. Um, so I went into nursing school for her and, um, you know, that led me to learn one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned to this date, which is not to neglect your passion. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was in nursing school for five semesters. And over the course of that time, I learned so much when it came to uh, working with patients mm-hmm. to, you know, a lot of the physiological, psychological processes that take place um, or that happen day to day. And um, not only that, but like health, um, medications. And that just really like allowed me to have such a great foundation to build off of thereafter. Um, because I understood the anatomy and physiology of the body, like I understood um, the origin insertion of certain muscles, and that all provided me with um, more value in the gym. I know that sounds silly. But like, um, understanding those types of things will better allow you to become more in tune with your progress and how to, you know, try and maximize it. And um, so I was in nursing school for five semesters, long story short, and um, I ended up getting uh, kicked out my last semester. And the main reason for that was because uh, I was group, I was late to a group of rotations called observations. And you couldn't be late to these rotations, right? But Mm -hmm. 
my car ended up breaking down and um you know it was still 30 minutes before the rotation had started so i ran to the place and like my nursing shoes and scrubs stethoscope around my neck clipboard in my hand and <laughs> i eventually ended up getting to the place like 30 minutes late and um they didn't they said like if you want to stay in the program um you're going to have to put in a letter of appeal uh with faculty and um gosh I put the letter of appeal in and um, they eventually didn't accept it. They thought it was the best if, you know, I should, um, cause they knew I loved working out and everything and they knew I was super big into bodybuilding and um, yeah. So I eventually got let go. And um, during that a, time, were you sorry. a good student though, at least? Oh yeah. I had good grades and really, um, wow. I had such good grades. I was always answering questions um, in class and keep in mind like we had lectures at like 5 a.m um, oh 5 a.m or not 5 a.m like you had to wake up at 5 a.m oh, but we had like, lectures. Oh class started. <laughs> yeah that was not good. class started at around like 6 30 7 a.m um, we'd have lectures everybody's zombie mode because they're still waking up oh yeah and um, I I would I would I would be one of the ones answering questions and um, I got really good grades on my test I was great with my patients and clinical all of them raved about me. So it was just, it was super, it was super um, bitter. I was super yeah. bitter for a minute. And like, I was super negative And this just led me to fall into like a hole of negativity and depression mm. at the time. Man. And two months following that, I had gotten in a car accident that I almost lost my life in. Um, the engine came through the dashboard. Uh, the windshield broke. There were anti-freeze burns on my face. There was glass in my hands. And um, that really allowed me to just appreciate life and the small things that we take for granted on a daily basis, whether that be like, oh, my God, I have a roof over my head. You know, I have food in the fridge. I have so many people supporting me. Um, instead, like people tend to fixate on the things that they don't have. And, exactly. Uh, I agree. That just makes them unhappy in the long run. Um, but after after that, um, I was still neglecting my passion in a way because I had to figure something out to do. Like, what's the next step? Yeah. Um, so I went into pharmacy school, and um, while I was in pharmacy school, I worked in uh, Walmart as a pharmacy tech. Okay. So that happened for like eight months to a year. And then I had made my move out to California. Okay. So when I initially moved to California, uh, I lived in Northern California. So like the Sacramento, Roseville area. Okay. And that's when I had met um, Matt Ogis. And um, I met him at this uh, Gold's Gym in uh, Citrus Heights, uh, this area in, um, in Roseville. And okay. um, we just started chatting and we clicked and he's like such a great friend to me to this day. Uh, if you're listening to this, Matt, I appreciate everything you've done for me. And um, he mentored me basically over the years. And like really he was him and Chris Elkins were the two people who pushed me to pursue something that I was truly passionate about and like live a life worth living because who wants to be stuck at a nine to five? their entire life doing something they don't want to be doing and like really neglecting their own gifts as an individual like we were all born with specific gifts 
in this world, whether that be, you know, motivating someone to making them laugh to, you know, just being smart as shit when it comes to like a specific subject. You know what I mean? We're not we're not all astrophysicists or like mathematicians. They're better better (laughs) than that at us. Right. um, So, yeah, I really just didn't want to live a life that um, I didn't want to live a life where I would look back 30 years later and say, oh, I could have done this differently. I should have taken this opportunity. And just being on my own in NorCal, I, I, I lived with my sister at the time, but um, being on my own in a way, like having my own routine, not really having to check in with anyone, or, um, just being by myself really allowed me to become more self-aware about the things I wanted to accomplish as an individual. And that was the first step in me taking action towards those goals um, with the help of Matt Ogus, Chris Elkins, um, and I worked out with Chris Elkins. He was my training partner in the morning along with uh, Gustavo. And um, around 2016, this was around early 2016, moved to NorCal. So I decided to undergo my first contest prep. And um, that in itself was a journey. I learned a lot. Like, um, I saw this other day on Instagram and I was scrolling, but uh, someone said, uh, bodybuilding will reveal you. So it, it yes. really, so I don't know if you had posted that. <laughs> I think yeah. that, was, that was my story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so shout out to you for posting that. But yes. I think <laughs> it could be truer, right? Absolutely. It reveals whether you are negative in your own head, telling yourself like all these bad things or, you know, not really meticulous, meticu- meticulously, you know, weighing your food or tracking your macros or like not making progress you want. You have to become like self-aware and really check yourself. Yeah. If, you know, you're not making progress towards that goal. Absolutely. Um, so I undergone, I, I went through my first contest prep and, um, around my the first show I competed was in October of 2016. It was uh, WNBF Battle of the Bay. Um, I competed in the teen class there. I didn't do too hot. I got third in my class out of a class of three. So um, uh, yeah. it was such a it was a learning experience because um, the the spray tan people um you know they came late to the venue so yeah. i ended up getting like such a disgusting coat of tan it looked like i came out of the garbage can <laughs> oh <laughs> but yeah so i learned about tanning properly and dream tan and the whole pump up process and how to time my my nutrition and when to carb up and you know when to cut off my water intake and um so I learned all of those things from my first show, which was great. I also got the stage experience. And um, after that show, I was like, I still have more more to do. Like, I, I, I'm not done. I could have presented such a better package. I could have came in leaner. Um, all these different things. So um, that led me to set my eyes on WNBF Worlds, which was in November. Okay. So I dieted down for that with um, the guidance of Chris Elkins. Because I'm um, like, when you're dieting and you're super deep into prep, like you lose some of that objectivity, right? You oh, get yeah. kind of emotional, whether that be like not seeing that new low on the scale to not knowing if you should dig through a certain week. Um, but anyways, 
So I did WNBF Worlds in November of 2016. And um, that was such an awesome experience because you meet so many people from so many different parts of the world, whether it be Italy, Spain, Brazil, um, Japan, oh, all wow. united because of bodybuilding. You know what wow. I mean? Um, and they brought it. They had some crazy packages um, that year. Uh, I can't recall who uh, ended up taking the overall. But um yeah, so I competed in WNBF Worlds 2016, and uh, post-show, um, that was when I had rebounded. I ended up gaining like 30 pounds in a month, and um, that's not the most productive way to start an off-season, of course. Right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so during that time, a lot of things in my life weren't necessarily working out. Um, I ended up having to move from NorCal to San Diego. Um, and this was after my show. And I ended up moving to San Diego uh, the beginning of 2017. Okay. And I was living with my sister at the time because keep in mind, like the, the goal at this time was to still um, go into pharmacy school because I still had my sisters around me and they're on my case about getting back into school and, xyz and i'm like but like i'm doing this thing and i'm really fucking good at it like if i were just to pursue it and put this work in then i know for a fact i could create something out of it like like if you just set your mind to something if i set my mind to something i know 100 percent i could fucking do it whether that's gonna take me like long or not um that all depends but like if you set your mind to something you could most definitely achieve it a lot of people undervalue their ability to accomplish big things right so they stay playing it small for a majority of their lives absolutely so when i moved to san diego um i was living with my sister for around three months and um long story short uh a a couple situations ended up happening and um that wasn't the um, most productive of environments for me to be in um like i was telling myself in my head like this is a negative fucking situation you're not going to be able to grow and do the things you want to do because you're being held back by all this negativity in so many different ways yeah so i knew if i was able to just somehow remove all this negativity and place myself in a position where i could just hold my head down and grind i know i'll be able to create something out of this thing i love doing Um, so I lived in my car. I ended up having to live in my car, um, for a year and, um, Oh, it was a year. It was a year. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was a year. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, I feel like the only reason why I was really able to do it was because I was super OCD, like organization wise. Yeah. Um, I had different shirt, like I had all my clothes folded up on like shirts, uh, sweaters, joggers, X, Y, Z, um, all neatly um, folded in my trunk. And so that was um, that experience. That was probably one of the biggest experiences of my life because um, it revealed a lot of things about myself. Um, And just to give you guys an example, like the main thing that was fueling my bodybuilding journey, my fat loss transformation over the years was um, like, I just 
was able to place all these negative emotions that I felt on a daily basis into solely bodybuilding. Mm. And that not only developed like a lot of habits that are super important to have as like an individual, um, like work ethic, discipline, consistency, uh, persistence, like all those things are necessary to bodybuild, right? Even to work towards a specific physique goal, like you need those skills, you need to develop them. So I channeled all my negative energy over the years into bodybuilding, and it helped me develop these things. So um, fast forward to me living in my car, um, how was I still able to go to the gym and count my macros and do all this stuff to place me in a productive position to achieve my goals? How did you even... How did you even have like store food in your car? I mean, you didn't have a refrigerator or like, you know, just like the basic necessities that we take for granted, like a stove or microwave. Yeah. So um, during that time, uh, keep in mind, like I had still been in my rebound phase of the beginning of 2017. So essentially what I did was like I stalled my calories for a minute. um, So body recomp could take place as I'm like training and um I just, it was a great transition kind of going into my off season because I didn't have a, be- a pantry I could binge on or like oh, that's true. Um, Makes sense. cakes or anything. But like, I would still make sure that I stuck to a lot of the fundamental p- principles when it came to nutrition, like eating your fruits, veg, yeah. um, getting your protein feeding and hitting your macros. Um, and I was able to do that with um, like, uh, Whole Foods, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're they're a great place to go. Or um, I don't know, San Diego has a lot of macro friendly places. To be honest with they you guys, do. yeah. And, um, all I all I really needed was my supplements, right? <laughs> <laughs> I needed my protein. I needed my creatine. I needed my ashwagandha. I kept all these things like super tidy, organized, and um, so what I did during that time is, you know, obviously living in my car. Uh, I couldn't necessarily sleep all that well um, just because it was tight in space. It was a Toyota Camry, a 2011 Toyota Camry, if anyone who <laughs> wants to know. Um, and yeah, it was just super uncomfortable. I couldn't stretch my legs. I couldn't get the rest that I needed. I was always stressed. Like, when am I going to get out of this position? How am I going to make more money? Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. It was it was all on me. And it was, it was all on me to figure my own shit out. Yeah. So... I ended up getting a job at Chase. And um, so what I would do is I would wake up in the morning at like 4, 4 a.m. And there's this coffee shop I would always go to right by the beach. Um, and I would go to that coffee shop every day and I would just plan, organize. What do I want to do? What do I accomplish? What are these goals that I have, I need to write them down so I could make a plan of action to execute and achieve them. So that led me into um, building my business. So I worked at Chase. I went to the gym every morning um, after I put in some work at the coffee shop. I went to the gym directly to train and shower after and change for work. Then I would go work. And then essentially I'd have like the the rest of the day, like six, seven, eight hours alone by myself in my car. 
So what what I do? Turn on my hotspot on my phone and continue working. Hey. Um, or like I would go out with friends. Um, like during this this time, I didn't have a lot of friends, but the one that I had, um, Hussein, um, him and his family, they just you know they really looked after me during this period of time. They made sure that like I um, had everything that I needed, and like me personally, they they wanted me to like stay with them, but. Um, I don't want to like put myself in a position to, you know, go through another situation like I did or yeah. um, um, just like feeling like you're a strain on someone, like you're intruding, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, that, that, that irks me. So I try not to do that too often. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they were, they looked after me during the time they made sure that I needed uh, or I had everything that I needed um, like once a month or something I would um, sleep in my buddy's room and I guess that was kind of nice that helped me in terms of like how long I was able to live in my car for um, so I worked at Chase and um, you know I just worked on this thing that I wanted to achieve um, and outside of building my business you have to keep in mind during this time on the side I had been working with clients on the side for free for free for two years okay wow. and the main reason being this was while i was in nursing school and pharmacy school and the main reason being is because i wanted to get really fucking good at what i did yeah. and i wanted to learn how to cater my approach to different individuals because if you're really individualizing coaching mm -hmm. the same plan is not going to work for the same client absolutely um it's like trying to fit in a tailored suit that doesn't even fit for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly so um, I was working with clients on the side and I'm like, okay, I, I have all this information that I've learned over the years. How can I make something valuable that will provide people with value, that will help people so I could achieve these things that I wanted to achieve? So that led me to building my coaching business, mm -hmm. HawkFit. Um, I've been in business for uh, a year and almost six months. Um, so I'm super happy about that. Oh, wow. Um, so I built my business, but before I even started charging clients, I made sure that my systems were in place yeah. in terms of, excuse me, in terms of having all my protocols written out to having a mission behind my business. Like it's not just another coaching yeah. business. To me, it's definitely not. To me, this means everything. This stupid little, you know, bird logo that I post everywhere. It means so yeah. much to me because what I sacrificed in order to build it to what it is. Today. Yeah, man, that's your brand. So, yeah, so, yeah that's my brand. It's my baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like GT is your guys' baby. So when you were, when you were living out of your car and working on like coaching, you know, what made you push forward when like times got hard? Because I can only imagine living out of your car i mean you probably hit some really bad like mental fucks where you get in your own head and you're like oh my god like this is horrible what am i doing so how did you overcome that and and stay pushing towards what you wanted to do well to be honest with you guys like i said that was the hardest period of my life yeah like, i had anxiety attacks like i would be depressed sometimes for no reason panic attacks where like i i like i wouldn't be able to breathe you guys ever have those where you're just like staring off into space because 
you just like you're just you're just empty yeah, yes. yeah. Um, that's how i felt at the time Man. and it was super hard to overcome those things but the biggest thing that i learned was that it's all about your mindset yeah. and really being appreciative of the things that you have in your life so despite my circumstances um, I still ha- I was growing my Instagram following, you know, I had people in my life that were super supportive of me. And those two things alone, kind of just really allowed me to zero down yeah. and focus on myself. Sure. But like, in terms of like, what allowed me to push through, like, I just really fucking wanted it. Like, if you really want something, you're going to make it happen regardless of the outcomes, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of whatever happens to you. If you really want something, you got to back your words up with action and follow through with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, I think we all like, we all hit a period where we all kind of get lazy at times, you know? So just kind of like hearing like those words is just kind of like, Oh man. All right. Yeah. I mean, knowing that others go through very similar things that you go through, especially being online coach, you know, that's, it's always good, I think, to like hear a lot of like just conversation with others that are also having on the same mission as you um, to try and accomplish yeah, that well, same goal. Yeah, well, you know what I think. Part, sorry to interrupt you. You know what I think. Part of it is is like people nowadays are soft. You know, yes. they want to achieve a certain goal yep. without putting in the the work, without really having to suffer to obtain that certain goal, and um. I know like a lot of people, I'm not saying my circumstances were, uh, they, they were more harsh than some other people's. Like, obviously we're going to all have certain circumstances in our lives that, that affect us in certain ways. Yeah. So your ability as an individual to achieve your goal is purely dependent on how you, um, approach or, um, how you just bounce back from those things like your failures are your biggest professors i've learned so much from all the mistakes i've made and i've made a lot of mistakes and i'm not scared to discourage that because i've learned so much from them yeah i agree yeah so what advice would you give other people out there who are looking to start their online coaching business but really have like they have no idea how to even go about it so the biggest piece of advice I could give anyone who's looking to start up an online coaching business, because like nowadays you can't really tell people, oh, you're not qualified to coach. People are going to do it regardless. Yeah, exactly. So understanding how to get better as a coach is going to pay off dividends, not only for yourself, but for your clients. And what I mean by that is learning a lot of the principles when it comes to nutrition training, anatomy, physiology, psychology, like you have to have those things as a base. Yes, if you want to be a coach, and you're competent enough to write someone a training program, some protocols, and you're not only dealing with getting them from point A to point B, but you're also dealing with changing their physiology and their psychology as well. Yeah, absolutely. So on top of that, an athlete As an athlete, okay, you should never want to stop getting better. And as a coach, you should never do, you should never want to start getting, stop getting better either. Like, I agree. Me to this day, I'll tell you guys 100%, I don't know everything. Like, nobody knows 
the answers for everything. Like, sure, this research, all this research that's being put out is great yeah. in terms of allowing us to form these principles Absolutely. on how to approach our goals. But like, like experience is everything. Yeah. And you have to educate yourself as a coach and you have to continue that education as a coach. Like I told you guys, um, before we started this podcast, there's a guy named Tom Pruvis. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tom Pruvis is basically, if you guys are familiar with Joe Klemensky, Dr. Yeah, Joe, yeah, um, he's basically like the Joe Klemensky of the exercise world. Got it. And I'm really interested in, you know, taking a couple of his courses where he just really teaches you everything you need to know about biomechanics, um, force velocity, uh, or um, sorry, um, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word? The resistance profile of certain machines, people's strength profiles, how that influences progress, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But so along with uh, an athlete never want to start, stop getting better. As a coach, you never should either. Yeah. You got to do this because you love yeah, it. Yeah, I okay. It's, I mean, it's, it's a great job. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but there are a lot of ups and downs, you know, when it comes to, to coaching. But, you know, if you if you're doing it right, it's it's going to pay off. I feel like sure. it's a very rewarding job because I it mean, is. the fact that you're helping someone and like you said, you should always be a forever student, in my opinion, um, especially in the science world, scientific community, you're always going to find different things out there. And I kind of like what you said, it's it's one of those things that using science as your foundation for for like just having that foundation there is also equal um equally important to be able to have that application side of things too to be able to provide that science but also being able to apply it towards your um towards your clientele yeah 100% science is the foundation oh. but science isn't coaching either you yeah. got to be practical with your clients you have to be empathetic and you got to understand them like you're both trying to get to the same end goal so why don't you just do it together? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It creates such a productive environment for you both. And um, along with, sorry, along with doing it because you love it, like, I can't tell you guys how much I work. Yeah. I'm working around the clock, whether that be from creating content to answering questions my client have to working on side projects to replying to emails. Like, I work a lot, but the fact that I love it makes it not even feel like work Absolutely. it makes it so much easier like it doesn't feel like work it feels like i'm putting it in all this work towards something that i love and it's helping me yeah you yeah, know what yeah. i mean absolutely yeah so um with so with, sorry no you're good so you know there's like a lot of coaches out there you know every everybody's a, a coach nowadays but you know there's not always coaches out there that are legit or should really even be calling themselves a coach. So if you were someone who was looking for a coach, you know, how can you really tell the difference between, you know, if a coach is legit or if a coach is just trying to scam you or even trying to find the right coach for you, what, what advice would you give a client who is in that situation? Do your research. Yeah. Because Nowadays, 
scammers are everywhere more prevalent than they were in 2016 2015 with the whole shreds scammers sending out the whole cookie cutter shit yeah that's where it all started but it just continued to grow even more now although there are like really great coaches out there um paradoxically there's like a lot of shitty coaches out there right and the, the ratio is just um there's more shitty coaches to where there there's more shitty coaches and there's less good coaches i agree right so one thing I definitely recommend for anyone listening to this do is to do your research, okay? Ask their clients, reach out to people who previously worked with them, ask them how their experience was, how their communication was. Um, did they get you results? Did they respond in a timely manner? Like, all these things matter. And you not educating yourself as a consumer is going to place you in a position to where you're you're going to get scammed you're going to get on the same cookie cutter program as all of their other clients you're going to get shitty responses you're not going to get individualized protocols and that's 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 just setting you up for failure that's pushing you even further away from your goal because you have to understand how to do it correctly mm-hmm. after they're done fucking you up yeah absolutely and then the bad thing about that is is it's like once somebody experiences you know a negative coach or somebody who shouldn't even really be a coach, it kind of, they kind of have that mindset that all coaches are like that. And it just leaves a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to other coaches, even the ones out there doing the right thing. So I know, I I mean, I know for us, and it's probably the same for you, it's very frustrating in regards to that because, you know, I know the way we treat our clients is like, look, they're, they're gold. You know, we're, we're a team in this together. And Aishak, I'm, I'm pretty damn sure you're the same way. I mean, I, I can tell that you truly care about your clients. Um, so it's just really frustrating when you hear about, you know, people who've experienced these type of coaches yeah, I mean, out there. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I do think that it's pretty disheartening whenever you do have a client that's come in. It's, she's come or they've come from a, a very you know, bad experience from a coach. And it definitely takes that uh, reestablishing trust, um, you know, with with that actual client that may have come from that. They don't know what it's like to really truly work with somebody that truly cares about them, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah, that's crazy, though. Isn't that crazy to you guys? Yeah. Yeah, or even like if you send someone like a good detailed, you know, message back or sending them a video, they're so taken back and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. This is so great. I've never had this yeah. before. And you're just like, what? What are you, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. who were you going I mean, to before? Just goes to show how many people nowadays really have integrity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, a majority of the clients that have come to me previously working with, quote unquote, a bad coach, mm-hmm. um, they've come to me from a top influencer. That's the funny thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, people are going to get scammed Yep. regardless but it's it makes it a more of a point more of a point for us to kind of put out this information to tell people you need to educate yourself before even like joining a coach and sometimes i get people who message me like oh you know um could you tell me your protocols like yeah i can tell you my protocols that's not what i was going for but like um you know they ask questions in terms of them not really understanding who you are and what you do. Like, if you don't know about me and what I do on a daily basis, then you probably shouldn't be asking me for coaching in the first place. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, I've even had it where I've had, you know, specific uh, potential clients asking, and I've always even recommended if they feel more comfortable, they can always reach out to either current or past clients of mine um, as reference to see what it's like to work with us as coaches to kind of get a little bit of better feedback if it makes them more comfortable um, as well. 100%. I agree. Yeah. So I guess the the next thing we can kind of get into is like, we can start talking about like, you know, what are our beliefs, like nutrition, our basic nutrition principles out there for people who are listening, because, you know, people are familiar with, you know, Gillis and I, um, but what about you, Aishak? I, you know, I know we're on the same page as far as principles of, you know, nutrition, um, but what are your principles? What are your beliefs in regards to, you know, changing a client's physique or, you know, putting them in a better situation. So sustainability and long-term adherence have to be number one. Yes. Because if you're planning for the short term, you're setting yourself up for failure, not only in terms of approaching your goal with a very extreme approach, but you not really being able to learn the things you really need to learn and build the skills that you need to build So you don't fall off the wagon when you're done working with that coach. So one of the main principles of my business, of my coaching, is educating my clients in terms of telling them that they're going to fuck up the first couple weeks. Yeah, Um, It's a learning process right off the bat. Like You have to get ahead of that learning curve, especially if you have no experience counting your macros or tracking your training, right? Absolutely. So um, lost my train of thought there long-term adherence and sustainability. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of my approach, I typically don't work with anyone who's coming to me with like a 16 week prep or 12 week prep in mind. Right. That's not enough time for me to really gauge their, their metabolism, but like how well they're able to, um, you know, adhere to the game plan that I set for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, that's a big one because I know, you know, if you have someone reach out, um, they're like, hey, I want to do a 12-week prep with you. And you're like, okay, no. great. But I know absolutely nothing about you to ensure that you're going to be ready in 12 weeks. And yeah. I personally, I don't like prepping somebody who I have no idea how their body even works because that's putting a lot of pressure on the coach And not only that, you can't guarantee how they're coming out in 12 weeks if you didn't take the time to learn them and really see where they're at metabolically and how they respond to things. Absolutely. I agree. Right. So like all my competitors who are stepping on stage this year, I've already been working with them a year in advance when they were just starting their off season. And the big reason for that is because I'm able to place them in just a really productive spot metabolically before they even begin a prep. Because Mm -hmm. if you're dieting for long term, and you're not setting yourself up with these systems that you need to ensure that you're taking care of on a daily basis that really don't feel like they impact progress all that much, but they really impact progress. Let's say, for example, like taking care of your digestion. That's Mm -hmm. super important. Yeah, getting an adequate amount of fiber intake. That's super important making sure you're hydrated, drinking enough water, um, you know, being smart in terms of how you place your, um, your macros throughout the day in terms of allocating them. So really being on top of nutrient timing, muscle protein synthesis. um, Let's see what else taking care of your sleep schedule, 
um, yeah. taking the right supplements for your specific goal, um, understanding how much volume, how much training volume they're able to recover from without building up so much fatigue. Mm-hmm. Like it takes time for you to like really Learn understand these things. And it takes yeah. time for us as coaches to understand how different people respond to these protocols that we set for them. And the more you work with a coach, the more information you provide them, the better, if they're a good coach, they'll be in a better position to cater your programming more towards you because coaching is a collaborative effort. You could have the fucking best coach in the world, but if, if that programming is not catered to you, your goals, then you're going to fail. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's a simple fact. It's kind of like what I like the example I like to use with like new clients that I take on is, you know, because I always set them in like a, you know, let's put you at maintenance first to to see how you respond before, you know, diving into whatever our next, you know, dieting phase may be. And the example I like to give them is that, you know, you can't just go and operate a big piece of machinery without reading the manual and learning how it works. Absolutely. I mean, the body is the same exact way and every piece of machinery for the most part operates differently. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Theoretically, like if someone's new to tracking their macros or resistance training consistently, eating higher amounts of protein, eating higher amounts of carbs, they'll be in a better position to not only increase their thermodynamics, but they'll be able to create a more productive environment to be able to build muscle mass. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yep. Absolutely. And not only that, um, the effects of just, you know, changing your physique, whatever your goal may be, you know, there is a lot of people don't understand that there's a lot of psychology that really goes into it, especially on the fat loss side of things. 100%. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Minnesota starvation study. Um, Yeah. So the Minnesota starvation study, it was like done in the 1940s. They really wanted to know uh, what effect starvation had on the psychology of people and their behaviors. Uh, I believe it was like a 30 participant study that was over the course of like six months. um, Just looking at a semi starvation period, I believe it was at 1600 calories, right? Yep. So this was when World War II was thriving. This is how this study originally came out, because um, what researchers were trying to figure out was a way to better rehab people who went through a semi-starvation period. So they found that their food focus increased. Um, they would like steal. <laughs> I could see myself <laughs> doing this on Instagram these days, but <laughs> they steal menus and cookbooks and they became just super engulfed with food. Like me, that's looking on the explore page and seeing a cookie. Oh, um, yeah. Man. That's, yeah, that's but they developed deal. like <laughs> they developed binge eating disorder, uh, body dysmorphic disorder, uh, social. They, they started to be more like social isolated, more depressive mm-hmm. and um that's that that was a great study in terms of providing us a lot of knowledge in terms of what happens psychologically especially during a dieting phase yeah. absolutely yeah yeah because people i mean people who've never truly dieted especially if you're a competitor you like you don't really understand it unless you're really going through it and it's it's hard to even really explain you know unless you've experienced it yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But like, along with the psychological downsides, there's physiological downsides with that. Like, 
oh, you're gonna yeah. have a reduction in resting metabolic rate due to a loss in tissue, due to a loss in lean body mass. Yeah, yes. yeah. Exercise activity thermogenesis is gonna fall. Non-activity yeah. exercise, um, non-exercise activity thermogenesis is gonna fall. Thermic effective feeding goes down because you're eating less. Like thyroid yep. hormone drops, leptin yeah. drops. You have a huge effect on energy expenditure because yeah. like you're just lazy all the time. You're feeling like shit. Gremlin goes up. You're going to have hormonal adaptations. You're going to yeah. have like, you're going to have, a, you're going to be in a shitty position to retain lean body mass, right? That's also why it's super important to have the right approach. Um, you're also like, let's say for males, females, you're going to have a decrease of your hormones. So your testosterone, estrogen, that could either lead to like impotence for males or amenorrhea for females. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's partially caused to like getting lean. But that's also partly caused to long-term energy restriction. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's important. It's funny you say that because, you know, it's very prevalent in women that are competing um, in deep in prep where they end up experiencing that. It's also equally important, though, in the physiological perspective of rehabilitating that back into a healthy level post-show and doing it without the, you know, the consequences of putting on all that, you body know, all that extra adipose tissue after. Yeah, post show, post show or post diet is like, in my opinion, it has even more importance, if not, like more than actually dieting, it has more of importance than dieting. I agree. Um, yeah. And I feel like the biggest reason as to why I feel like weight loss is a huge problem is because a majority of people don't even have a plan of action after cessation of a diet, right? Yeah, yeah. So people plan for fat loss, but not really the recovery period after fat loss. Like, oh, you think you're just going to be like 6% body fat for the rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And this, like, I, yeah. I feel like this leads them to like gaining a shit ton of the weight back or rebounding. Mm -hmm. And they not only gain all the weight they lost back, but some more because having more adipose tissue or fat cells. Yeah. Correct. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why it's super important to play like the long game especially mm -hmm. when you're dieting and it's why having the right approach is super important um it's also why i'm an advocate of diet breaks when you're yeah. dieting um, absolutely. absolutely yeah for you guys i know you guys are familiar with the matador trial but it's basically a study where they took um two weeks of energy restriction and uh two weeks at maintenance or like their newfound maintenance because the reduction in body they weight drop, yeah um, they found that it was more effective for fat loss in the long run, and um, it was super beneficial in terms of attenuating like a lot of the metabolic adaptations, mm -hmm. uh, adaptive thermogenesis, hormonal downregulation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, post show, post diet is is super important. Um, I feel like for prep, um, there's two approaches that really shine in terms of uh, a recovery period and mm -hmm. one of them is being the reverse diet yeah and um the other being the recovery diet that was like super popularized by uh, 3dmj yeah. yeah absolutely so yeah. um for those of you who don't know the reverse diet it's like you're basically just slowly incrementally <laughs> increasing calories um, decreasing cardio in i mean like if you think about it essentially you're still in a deficit in that time yeah, yeah like gremlin is still super rampant like yep. your hormones are still wrecked so i i anecdotally like a lot of people have said um the reverse diet's much harder in yeah. rather mm -hmm. than um the recovery where you know you increase your calories immediately and you gain at least like five to ten pounds oh. yeah 
right? And that's not only like placing you in, in a better position to get a lot of like those food cravings out, but mm-hmm. it's placing you in a better position for your off season too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because that's one thing that I know we we're big believers in is you know post show for some of our clients or even some of our clients who are coming off of a fat loss where we had to get a little bit aggressive with them towards the end is once they're done instead of them instead of taking them right into a reverse we put them in recovery we put them at at maintenance and we just leave them there for a little bit to allow the recovery process of you know hormones metabolism like all of these things to start slowly increasing before adding in more food yeah. because it could you know cause a trigger to where they want to eat more food even though yeah you want to eat food regardless after you're done dieting because of everything else just being in not being a baseline yeah what i would do is typically i'll put them in a a set point of about five to ten pounds above um this is like if they're a competitor so about five to seven about five to ten pounds above their stage weight yeah and then basically keep them at you know their um their that specific maintenance or based on that and just kind of monitor things and see how they're progressing and just kind of be more observant on what any kind of physiological responses, what's happening, uh, how they're feeling. Yep. Um, and just kind of modify that from there based off of their uh, adherence to the plan is a big one, because like you said, ghrelin, leptins are really kind of all over the place mm-hmm. still at that point. And they'll be there for usually pretty, pretty much a while too. Probably a couple months at least. Yeah. And then hormonally, yeah, hormonally, like if yeah. are, are usually takes a long time, a lot longer than what, you know, um, we would like it to take yeah. at least. Yeah, typically what I would do is like increase calories to at least, let's say, three to six hundred. Yeah. Right. Um, to their newfound maintenance. Yep. And that just allows them to fill out because like all the all the carbs they're eating, maybe some more protein too, um, gets them out of the strictness of dieting in terms of not being able to like have flexibility. Like we said, hormonal recovery gets you out of like, quote unquote, zombie state, yeah. eating like <laughs> caffeine to just get up in the morning. Right. And if they could maintain that for at least like a month, maybe even longer, they're going to place them in a really productive, they'll be placing themselves in a really productive spot yep. for yep. for their off season. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like you take the focus away from food and fat loss and just switch it to like, you need to recover because you're not in a healthy state being that low of a body fat, just doing a show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You need to improve your performance. You need to gain some fat back and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, honestly, I would say just coming from my personal experience, I would say that um, post-show is probably harder than actual contest prep. As crazy as that may sound. Yeah, it's super hard. Cause like, uh, and a lot of people go into like, this depressive state because like post-show blue yes um, I, i've because like you just too. yeah you just got done working towards a goal that you put so many fucking months in yes. right and now that like this goal is like gone you don't know what to what do you're gonna do yeah right yeah. right 100 percent. that leads to like turning to binge eating like, yeah. yeah you know what i mean absolutely but, um, yeah, if you could just, like, I found that, like, if you just become, have them really become super self-aware um, and just really, like, have them not even, don't even look at yourself in the mirror like you do on a daily basis. Maybe, like, once in the morning and that's it. Or it may be every other day. Or don't take pictures every mm-hmm. day. Take pictures every other day. Yeah. Like, 
you don't need to be checking yourself body composition wise as frequently because you're not dieting. Yeah, exactly. And then just, you know, switch your focus from, you know, personal aesthetics and getting better that way to performance. And let's work on, you know, upping performance in the gym, getting stronger and, and getting back into, you know, how you were as far as lifts before contest prep or getting better than yeah. that. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like um, a big thing too is just having a longer off season because realistically you only recover from a prep like a year later and gain back the body mass, lean body mass that you lost. Yeah. yeah. Right. It takes like a good year for you to start feeling like you're a human again. Oh, yeah. This goes out to people who compete year after year. Yep. Like if your goal as a, an athlete, you are an athlete. Why are you going to step on stage if you haven't even made solid improvements in your physique? Right. What's the point of that? Yeah, yep. absolutely. I, agree. I definitely agree with you there. Well, Ishaq, we got to wrap this up, unfortunately. Um, but thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. And who knows, we might have you on here again. Definitely enjoyed it. Um, so if people wanted to get in contact with you or inquire about Hawk, Hawk Fitness, Hawk Fitness or Hawk Fit? Hawk Fit. Hawk Fit. Hawk Fit. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. So to anyone wondering, my name is, um, so my name in Arabic is pronounced is Hawk. Oh. So, um, that's kind of the name Hawk Fit. It was like a play on words. Yeah, hey, yeah. that's smart though. Because I, like yeah. I was wondering, I'm like, where did he get the name for his business? Yeah. I was like, where yeah. did from? You had put a post up on IG and I and it made perfect sense when you put that out there and I was reading and I said, Man, that was a pretty clever a clever route to go that with that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can people get I mean, I'm gonna have all your information below this, but where can people get in contact with you if they're, you know, inspired or they want to talk more to you about, you know, the information you provided on this podcast? Yeah, so if anyone's interested in reaching out to me, you could hit my Instagram. That is where I'm most active. Um, it's just Ishaq underscore Ishaq, I-S-H-A-K. Um, and yeah, I'd love to answer any questions that anyone may have or point them in the right direction. And one thing that I really wanted to say before I go is like um, a big thing with social media these days is a lot of people comparing themselves to each other and like, that just leads them into a really depressive state. And like, although I may seem like I have these areas in my life that are going like super, super well, I'm so thankful for them. I'm super blessed. But like, paradoxically, I have some other areas of my life that need some work. So mm -hmm. just be really aware in terms of what you see on your feed and the people you follow and the environment you're in. Yes. Because yeah. If you're not surrounding yourself around positive people and you're constantly around negativity all day, people bringing you down, then how are you as an individual going to grow? I yeah. Don't compare yourself. And that's, that's just, that's all I got. I feel yeah. like we could do a whole other podcast episode on just that on topic that alone. Sure. <laughs> because yeah, I got I'd love to, views I'd, on that. Yeah. I'd love to uh, jump on with you guys again. Yeah. Well, sure. we'll definitely, we'll definitely obviously talk about it, you know, offline. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've really enjoyed talking with you and uh, you know, who knows, we'll probably have a couple more, you know, especially once you're here in, in, yeah, Florida. We'll, yeah, we'll see we you in about a up. month. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
Yeah, we'll get some good training sessions. That's it. Yes, absolutely. So, all right, Aishak, again, thank you so much for joining us on here. And again, guys, if you're interested in contacting Aishak, I will have all of his information listed below this podcast. So be sure to check that out and reach out to him. He's a really cool, easygoing, easy to talk to kind of fellow. And we just enjoy talking to him and grateful that we had the opportunity to, to get to talking to him. Thank you, guys. So, all right, Aishak, thank you so much. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye, guys.